1: episode of the professional book nerds podcast presented by overdrive just adam today really excited for you to hear this conversation that i had with new york times best-selling debut author farida abike amide who wrote the wildly popular and buzzy ace of spades uh this is just a delightful book it's being described as gossip girl meets get out which Um, pretty accurate, honestly. Uh, We had a really good time talking about um, the creation of this story and, you know, what made Frida want to write this. Um, Just a really great conversation. This is um, one of those really fun books I've talked about in the past when anytime I figure out what I think is going to happen in the plot of a book, um, especially if I turn out to be right, um, I sort of lose interest, you know, halfway or two thirds or three fourths of the way book through the book, however far I am. Uh, this book keeps you guessing until the very, very end. Um, really, really interesting. It's a young adult kind of contemporary thriller. And it's all about some very, very shady things that are happening at a very, very upper class, hard to get into school. Um, This is a big time joke book as well. A lot of intrigue going on (laughs) at a a fancy school. I really, really think you're going to like it. Um, So definitely stick around for the interview in just a moment here. Uh, A couple other small things I just want to give you guys a heads up on. If you are familiar with Overdrive's big library Read program that kicks off today, June 28th. Um, So today through July 12th, you can borrow The Quiet Girl by SF Kosa um, without any wait lists or holds, just open up Libby or download Libby if you haven't yet. Uh, and you will most likely see The Quiet Girl as sort of the first book uh, present. Um, We usually get about 20,000 libraries participating, so no wait lists or holds. You can borrow that book, and then if you go to biglibrary.com, we have a discussion board where you can um, hop on with readers from all around the world and discuss what you like about the book, ask questions of the author, all sorts of great stuff. And then Jill and I are going to be doing an interview with the author on Zoom on July 7th, so... You can go to BigLibraryRead.com and register for that. All sorts of great stuff. Um, You have a chance to win a tablet if you use the hashtag BigLibraryRead on social media. We'll pick a a winner at random of that. Um, Just all sorts of really great stuff going on with BigLibraryRead, so be sure to check that out. I'll put a a link in the bio if you want to take a look at it. Um, Also, Overdrive is selling Libby Pride shirts. Uh, We've seen a lot of people on those wearing those on social media. They're really great. It's just uh, the face of Libby, but her ribbon and her hair uh, is a pride rainbow. So very, very cool. Um, and then one last thing, we are on TikTok. Jill is making some really funny con- uh, videos over on TikTok. So same name, Pro Book Nerds. So I'll put a link in the bio for that as well. Um, yeah. Check out all those things. Sorry if I sound a little stuffy. Allergies are destroying my sinuses right now. Um, All right, I won't keep you any longer here in this intro. I will let you get to this fabulous conversation with New York Times bestselling debut author Farida Abike Omide, author of Ace of Spades on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. So, um, well, what we can do is uh, we can just kind of start off our conversation by having you as the author introduce Ace of Spades because I don't want to give away too much of the plot. So I started the recording. So if you just want to kind of give our listeners an introduction to the book, we'll go from there. Um so Ace of
0: Spades is pitched as Get Out meets Gossip Girl, but queer, and it basically follows Javon and Cheermacher in their final year of school, and an anonymous texter named Aces starts to kind of leak their secrets to the entire school, and is kind of tormenting them, and they have to team up, despite being so different, um, and take down this anonymous entity, and um they have to do so before it kind of gets deadly and like really really dangerous for the two of them i think that's the best description without giving away (laughs) too much
1: yeah absolutely and so uh for everyone listening in i i'm gonna try to steer fairly clear of the plot just because you you wrote it in such a way that every chapter peels back a new kind of secret or thing that we weren't really aware of so i'm gonna steer a little bit clear of the plot but from a writing standpoint this is going to kind of just be a a slightly different way of asking you if you're a planner or a pantser, but the first time you wrote out the story, did you know where you wanted it to end up? So, yes, I knew kind of like the big twist. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a
0: very big planner. I had like a 12,000 word document of just like everything I wanted to be (laughs) in the book. I'm very bad at endings. Um, I never really know the exact ending, but I always know the big kind of twist and the big climax
1: so mm-hmm. yeah I did know where it was going to end up in that way and sort of along those same lines it, was it something where because you knew where you wanted to end up you knew where to leave you know breadcrumbs and misdirections or were those things that you went back through you know various drafts and and edits and things and put back in there um, it was
0: mostly already planned like the crumbs, but um, mm-hmm. I did go back and like add in something I think would be twisted I was like oh that'd be so cool <laughs> if people like went back and realized that so I did do that sometimes
1: <laughs> so was there uh, were there characters that maybe were more challenging for you to write I'm just thinking about the fact that like you as the author know where you want to go obviously but like me personally as a reader every single character that we meet along the way in my mind I'm like oh well that's probably aces for sure but I do (laughs) it like 25 times so for you was it was it a challenge to try to write every character making them potentially be the person that was behind all this or was that kind of the exciting part for you? Um, It was challenging because I kept thinking to myself
0: this is so obvious um when I was writing but then eventually I think um I kind of realized once I was giving it back to my like editors and my team were reading that actually it wasn't that obvious because I think because I'm such a suspicious person of everyone in real life because I'm always (laughs) living in my own kind of murder mystery documentary Mm -hmm. uh, I I think that my suspicions when I'm writing and like just living life kind of comes through so um yeah, I think it was hard at first. I just assumed that everyone would just guess it, but eventually it was like, okay. I mean, I I already suspect everyone in real life of doing something. Yeah.
1: So. Oh, that I, that's such a, that's so interesting because I to me I had no idea throughout most of it. Like one of my pet peeves with the book is when you do figure out a thing and then you feel like you're just kind of. Play, finishing it out in your mind, just because I'm a bit of a completionist when it comes to reading books. Like, I, and once I figure something out, I can be like, oh, all right, well, that was man, the mystery is gone. But with yours, to me, the mystery never, I could never figure it out because I kept being like, well, this person has to have seen all of these things happen. So, who could it possibly be like was it a challenge for you to think through the logic of where aces would have to be to kind of know all of these various secrets
0: um it was challenging because um I guess I had to kind of create like a story that would never be seen by people because I had to Mm -hmm. kind of map out something um that was happening in like the background of things like you know when you're watching a tv show and you kind of see background stuff mm-hmm. um like I don't know like real eyes you'll see like a typing on a computer or something um, so I had to kind of create kind of that background and think where would they be at this time to be able to have done this and see this so yeah that was difficult because it had to kind of be mapped out alongside the actual events
1: of the book that's exactly, I kind of exactly what you said is what I was thinking of with, um, I think it was, was pretty little liars were like one of the biggest when everything was finally revealed to like one of the mm-hmm. biggest complaints when people was saying like, there's no possible way they could have known all of these things. So right. I, I imagine that was like, that was chiefly on your mind while you were making sure to kind of cross all those T's and dot all those I's. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, something else that I think a lot about when reading books that feature, um, you know, teenage relationships and friendships and uh, people that are kind of figuring out their lives is like the importance of showing these different types of relationships. And um, I feel like in a lot of books, they can get very romanticized and even like the friendships and everyone seems to kind of have the best intentions. So how important was it for you to highlight these different types of relationships where some people are you know not so great and are just looking out for themselves like what made you want to create these fully formed characters that aren't just your main characters but are really everybody in the book um so part of it is I really love
0: character like more than plot I really enjoy writing characters but also um I think something that like gets left out of tv shows and books sometimes is how much friendship is a lot to teenagers Mm -hmm. Um, like I think friendship breakups are actually more common and more hurtful than um I guess romantic ones when you're Mm -hmm. growing up because that's kind of like your main relationships is like with people and being close friends and everything and I really wanted to highlight just how um toxic friendships can look like and also just how unhealthy relationships can look like Um, as well as ones that are good but flawed um, Mm -hmm. I think it's just really important to show teenagers that because when I was younger there were so many friendships I had that were definitely um, toxic but I had no like words to articulate why um, Mm -hmm. they were because I guess you know everybody's desperate for friendship and no one wants to be alone so I really wanted to show that because I think it's something teenagers can relate to.
1: Well, there's also, uh, there's a character who does a lot of gaslighting, which I, I did not want, I almost said, I, I love that you have it in there, but that's, that comes off, <laughs> not at all what I meant. Um, but the fact that there are, there can be people who do things, you know, we think of, of gaslighting a lot in, you know, especially here in the United States, like the, you know, political people will, will gaslight everyone left and right, you know, their, their own followers, people that, disagree with them but I I feel like you don't see it too often in books for younger readers and so in building out that particular character I'm being again I'm being really vague so I don't give away too much but in building out that particular character was were they always was this the way that you always wanted them to be like kind of peeling back how they have their own plans and and how they'll, they'll be very selfish and they do a lot of gaslighting was was that character kind of as he is on the page when you first started drafting out the story? Um, actually, no, he kind of started out as
0: being just someone that was like a romantic interest. Um, mm. And it kind of developed, I was trying to make him more complicated. Um, Cause I think when you're starting to write something, everyone kind of starts off being uh, one dimensional because mm. you're just trying to get out like your thoughts on how these people will kind of sit in the story. Um, and then I started to think about just different kinds of people you meet in life and um, the way they can be violent without being you know, physically violent or just um, just the way people kind of, I guess, perpetuate like, I guess, I don't know how to describe it without giving away things, but how mm-hmm. they basically harm people of colour um, in, their, in their own ways. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, racism is just slurs and being physically violent but often it can be the gaslighting as well and it can be just never feeling safe in a, in a friendship or like in a relationship because you never trust this person to actually see you as fully human or see you as someone that um, should be respected.
1: Yeah, I, there's actually something uh, a while back I spoke with Jason Reynolds and we talked a little bit about like like passive racism almost where yeah. you exactly kind of what you said, like maybe it never gets brought up in a conversation or maybe it's never something that you'd say or do overtly, but it's making an assumption about a person, even if they are a friend of yours or perhaps especially if they're a friend of yours because of the color of the skin of their skin or the relationships that they they are a part of, and that is something where I mean it's it's very prevalent in your book because of the um, you know the the cultural background of the the school that everything takes place in. But um, I really do love, and this isn't really a, a question so much as just like a compliment and a, and a comment. But I really do love how you have that kind of there's overt racism, racism taking place, but there's also that passive racism where, uh, especially with various class systems and things in this particular book, you know, people that come from different backgrounds. I I do think it's really important for young readers to see those different aspects of racism.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like something I really wanted to highlight was um, you can be someone who is um, working class. You can be a poor white person and still be racist. Um, You can be a person that has other intersections that do make you oppressed in that way, you can be, you know, less privileged in a, like within your class, for example. Um, like definitely one of the characters, he's white and he's also um, from a poor background. Um, and I would actually argue that he's probably the most kind of worse off um, in terms of mm-hmm. socioeconomic background. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of not about that. You can't really uh, erase your whiteness and you can't erase like someone's, you um, of ethnicity um, when we're talking about these things and um, passive racism is something that I think people like experience um, more so um, you know on an everyday level Um, obviously the system is always there and it's always being kind of it's kind of always working in the background but the, the kind of interactions we have are mostly passive racism like when I was in school it would be like you know a teacher assuming I wouldn't do well in a test and you'd wonder, like, you know, why um, or just saying things that are very, very backhanded and mm-hmm. you see these things coming out in a very passive way. But it builds up and eats away at people.
1: I, I actually even I even noticed it while you know doing my research and, and looking up you know, articles about you, like the number of articles that, that talk about, you know, the 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 contract you signed with the publisher, like the number of articles that said something like black author signed such and such a deal like it's not a thing that they would say if the author happened to be a cis white male it just it, they would just say this person's name happens to sign this particular contract and and it felt so on the nose to me that like some of these articles would lead with black author signs this contract where they they could have just said your name and talked about the book that you wrote but it to me even that it's like like you said when an, a teacher might say oh I'm so surprised that you did so well or, or something like that like oh wow it's so good for this person that they're able to succeed in this way and and it just I don't know it struck me as very odd when seeing that when clearly these people hadn't done a, even a moniker of research about the the book that you were writing and how much they were literally playing into the the characters that you wrote here as well.
0: Yeah exactly it's really really strange how that happens Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really kind of annoying as well. Cause you know, I think a lot of people get minimized to like,
1: um, their identities and don't be- become full human beings. And I actually, I love that you have even our, our main characters who were, you know, you'll, you'll find yourself rooting for quite frequently throughout the book. They also do things that, um, that show that they have faults as well. You know, so I, how like what how important was it for you for our, our kind of two main characters that we follow along to also be struggling with things and that sort of put them on a pedestal? like what made you want to make them uh, I guess kind of like the centered characters in this story like also have the same flaws and going through the same battles that some of the other characters are going through as well.
0: I think something that really like annoys me is kind of the adultification of Black children mm. and also the, um, the kind of deification. Like um, they're both like made to be people that have to be responsible and perfect, but also um, you see this with, you know, Black children that are murdered um, by police where people highlight only like things about them that are obviously very impressive but obviously to kind of prove a point to someone that they don't deserve to be murdered because they were a good child or they did like um, they got A's in school. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas they shouldn't have been murdered regardless, even if they weren't doing perfect things all the time because they were children, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to just basically highlight the humanity of black kids and um, show that, you know, they're not perfect and they do deserve to have, um, you know, just happy lives and, be seen as children um and i really wanted to also kind of start the story off as them being like caricatures like an, in, a, in a sense kind of like you know the scholarship student and the popular mean girl and you kind of have a, like an idea of who they're going to be just based on that and then breaking that down and um kind of twisting the ideas we have of just that these people in general like I, when I was in school, there were popular, mean girls. Um, but I always noticed that there was more to them. It wasn't just that and only that. It was usually um, something else was going on at home or something was going on in their personal lives and this is how they dealt with it. So I really wanted to just break down the way we see teenagers in general, but specifically Black teenagers, mm-hmm. um, and think deeply about the way people you know, respond to trauma
1: Something that I really love, you mentioned responding to trauma. I feel like one of the reasons that young adult books resonate with me and have always resonated with me, and obviously to, to a larger extent, really society in general, is when we are that age, when we're teenagers, when we're 15, 16, 17, um, we experience these relationships, many of us for the first time, and these these emotions, and we go through them, and it's something that all of us can relate to because it, it, you know, at some point we've had a friend or a significant other or a family member that we realized maybe there's more to them kind of like you were saying than, than we initially thought. So was there a a specific relationship that you struggled to write in this or maybe one that you, like you really got excited to write? Because there's so many different overlapping friendships and relationships and things like, was there one that you, either found joy or a struggle in in writing specifically?
0: Um, I think I really struggled with um, writing the relationship between Devon and um, his best friend because I think that there is like a specific kind of kind of quiet violence in people who are tolerating you um, Mm. rather than actually accepting you as a full person. And this happens a lot with queer people, um, but also people that are just marginalised in any way. Um, There's a lot of tolerance rather than actual full-blown acceptance and love. And I find that that's even more painful than hatred. uh, When someone's just tolerating your presence and you can tell that they don't fully like you um, because of maybe an aspect of identity or just um, something about you. so that was very difficult for me because I had to revisit a lot of those feelings that I've mm. had in past relationships with people um but like a relation like a relationship I wrote that was fun I guess or like I looked forward to was probably the relationship between um Chiamaka and her mum I really I really rarely see kind of um I guess teenagers that are black and specifically Nigerian. Um, having these conversations about their background and um, I've never seen that in a book before so I really wanted to put that in a book just having the conversation about being proud of your heritage Mm it's a lot of people that come from specific cultures that are kind of looked down on um, find it difficult to be so proud of their heritage when people kind of look down on you know cultures in Africa and Asia and stuff so um, yeah
1: I really love the, there's like some nuanced stuff, even kind of in like the first half of the book where she, uh, Chimaka is like late for a class, like late to go to school. And like, she's just like a subtle moment between her and her mom about her hair. Or there's one where um, there's a white character coming over and she's worried that she won't like the food that they're making. Like, I, I agree. Like, I really love these like little moments that show, you know, like the hesitation and acceptance of like being proud of your heritage like i've i agree this this is me this is again just me agreeing with you i really i really did love those those like little moments as well
0: thank you yeah
1: um i so i've i to kind of shift notes a little bit i've seen i know you wrote an article about how you love audiobooks and so first i i wanted to ask like what is it about audiobooks for you that um you have such an appreciation for them
0: um so I'm dyslexic and I've always
1: struggled to read physical books
0: Mm -hmm. and um growing up most of the time I would have books read to me so I didn't really notice that I was struggling with uh reading because you know when you're younger you kind of have a teacher reading a story to you or when I got home my mom would read stories to me so I just loved hearing stories and I didn't realize that it was something I had to actually physically read. And so I got older and it became a thing in school when they would have like quiet reading time and you'd be put to the side with a book and I just couldn't read the words. It was just escaping me. Um, and it made no sense to me because I love stories. And so audiobooks have kind of always been like a way for me to enjoy reading without feeling like I'm struggling or getting stuck. just kind of makes me feel relaxed while reading and I think they're invaluable um, for people that are neurodivergent so yeah I really love them.
1: Along those lines did you get to be involved at all in the um, either selection or kind of creation of the audiobook version of your book?
0: Yes I was so happy actually that I was um, involved because I'm obsessed with audiobooks and when I got like the email that they wanted to have like a proper meeting and like have a whole selection process and um, just everything I even got to record something for my audiobook like um, I just read like the acknowledgements or something Mm -hmm. but um, I was just so happy because I have a big appreciation for them so just being involved in any way was so nice. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the, I, I know exactly what you mean about like the appreciation. I too, I, I'm a massive uh, audiobook fan. I, I listen to audiobooks basically every single day. And I think one of my favorite things is when you recognize a narrator, like you, you pick a, I always tend to pick audiobooks, you know, based on, on the author and, and how the book sounds. And um, I'm really interested in it. But then like, I won't always look at the narrator ahead of time. And then when they start speaking, if it's someone I've rec- I recognize, like the joy I get of that moment of feeling like it's an old friend telling me another story like there's just nothing like that it's so wonderful exactly
0: I really love that like um I love when I'm like reading something and I'm just like oh my god yay I can like recognize this voice I love that voice so
1: it's about yeah um I I, my podcast co-host actually Jill Sheila um Bonnie Turpin is like her favorite and I laugh every time now that I hear her in a in a book I'm like well I have to tell Jill about this one because (laughs) she's gonna adore it um so towards the end of our episodes, we like to ask nine lighthearted questions that we call the nerd nine, just because I am a fan of alliteration. Um so the first one is what is the last book you finished reading?
0: Um I think it was the fence like prose book because the fence series is like a graphic novel series. Mm-hmm. They have like a spin-off book in prose. Um, And yeah, I really love that. It's a really cool series about like this boarding school with fences Mm -hmm. and it's really queer and wonderful.
1: Do you have a a
0: favorite place to read? Um, No, actually, I just read
1: wherever feels
0: Mm -hmm. comfortable at that time.
1: (laughs) Uh, Do you remember uh, the book that made you fall in love with reading? Probably
0: something that David Levithan wrote um I loved his books growing up I read every single one of his books um probably one of those
1: he's a delightful human being um what is one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to
0: oh this is a really good question I think I really want to go to um probably South Korea um I always wanted to go when I was younger and so I want to I'm kind of on a mission to
1: make my younger self proud of
0: myself, so um, I'll do that for her.
1: Uh, do you have a, a favorite holiday to celebrate, like, like we would say holiday in the States, like uh, Christmas or New Year's or something like that? I love Christmas.
0: Actually, if um, you could see my background, I usually have a Christmas tree. Um, I don't like take it down. I mm-hmm. keep it up all year long. So. <laughs>
1: Oh, that is fabulous! I think I know the answer to this one because I looked on your website, but I'll ask it anyway. Are you a coffee person or a tea person?
0: Uh, tea. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and what did I see something along the lines of like ten cups a day? Is that? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's actually really bad.
0: I've had to cut back because I realized that it actually has a lot of caffeine, and mm-hmm. my anxiety's
1: been worse. So, yeah. Uh, how about cats or dogs?
0: Um, probably cats. Yeah.
1: Do you have a, a favorite food?
0: Um, I really like this Nigerian dish called ayamasi and rice it's just like so spicy but I really like it, it really clears my sinuses.
1: <laughs> uh, last one of these uh, if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead who would you pick?
0: Oscar Wilde I just think he's so hilarious and he'd have just so many anecdotes that would just make the entire meal so entertaining.
1: Oh, that's that's such a wonderful answer. Okay, last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from Ace of Spades?
0: I hope readers take away uh, the message that, you know, Black kids deserve to have happy endings, even amidst just like all the awful things that can happen in the world. Um, Because it's just so, like the amount of violence that we experience is so constant. Mm -hmm. And I just want that message to kind of be, what they're left with, that there is a, there's hope for the future and there are happy endings that people can have. That's
1: perfect. I, Frida, I loved your book so, so much. Thank you for writing it. And thank you for joining me today.